Well, hello, everyone. Pray with me, would you please? Father in heaven, we come to these, this, this with Psalm 145, and we are just over the top excited to do this because we have learned so much in these last weeks. And the Psalms have expressed the heart of the psalmist so much, which is basically ours as well. So, Lord, as we go into this psalm of praise, Lord, may we just again consider all what you have done for us. And may we rejoice. May our lives act like it. And we will truly, truly give you the praise because we love you. We are so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. I know I am so excited about this psalm. And it's it's just, I don't know where you are right now as far as, you know, maybe it's a maybe it's a gray day. Maybe it's a gray day in your heart. I don't know. But this is this psalm will just be such an uplifting half hour for you to just kind of sit there and bask in the fact that we really haven't made I know life can be hard. And and the psalmist, even David talked about, you know, yes, there are times when our enemies, when life just seems to overpower us. But yet, these psalms are helping us to realize what we have and who we have. Because not only do we have Jesus, but we have all of his promises. And he is good on them. And that's why he is worthy. This is another psalm of David. And he is just kind of coming out. I wish I could be seeing him right now. Because you can just see the expression on his face. I will exalt you, my God the king. I will praise your name forever and ever. I mean, look how personal. I don't know who was sitting there with him. Maybe no one. And maybe it's kind of like you and I today. Maybe we're just sitting there with no one. But may our heart express our praise. Damn, personal. Like, I will exalt you, my God. May you just see that. He is your God. He is tuned into you right now. He is speaking to you right now. He wants you to see him in all of his glory, in all of his kingship. Do you know that the word praise, the word praise in the original Greek, now don't, don't I sound educated, <laughs> hear me with a high school education, and I'm talking to you about the original Greek, but I do know how to research and I did research, and you know what praise means in the Greek? It means to sing, to tell of, to give, to confess. There's so much more to praise than just being in church and singing the songs that the worship leader is having us sing. Praise is just so much. It's, it's a part of your life. It is your attitude. Because of what you know and who he is, and, and if you are willing to take the time to really see that the joy is from your salvation, it's not from the things of this world, then you do want to sing. And we've talked about that in, in the other Psalms. When we are so overwhelmed and overcome with life, we don't feel like singing. And yet we should, because so many times the songs that we've learned from old, new, they're just, they're just so good to help us rem remind ourselves again, to get us off our focus of me, myself, and I, and back onto him. 
And then it seems like, like, like David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Help me to see that that is where my joy really comes. That's why I can be this excited and so can you, even though you might be sitting in the middle of a crisis or a difficult time or, you know, it's just a lonely time, you're disappointed, you've had some bad news or, or whatever the case may be. We can still have the joy. We can still want to sing because nothing changes when it comes to our relationship with Jesus unless we do it. And we want to so stay connected. We don't want life to overcome us because there is so much in our Lord Jesus. So may, may your heart, may, may, even if you don't feel like it today, just come with me and just... Just praise him anyway. See if you just watch him lift your spirit. That singer singing a song, think of a favorite song that you just never get tired of singing. And then just concentrate on those words. That's praise to him. To tell of, have you told your story to anyone this week? Have you, have you talked about Jesus to anyone this week? That's another avenue of prayer. Give, you know, did you give of yourself for your material means or whatever? Did you give? And then that's praise too. That's praise to him. And this one kind of surprised me, to confess. Our Lord loves praise. We know that. But I always thought he loved it with my hands in the air and singing the songs and all that. But no, he, Sometimes praise can be our confession. So when David says, I will exalt you, my God, the King, I will praise your name forever and ever. That's, we can praise him even in the difficult times, in, in our most difficult experiences, because he is so worthy. And I asked you a question, if you did your questions, why is God worthy? Why is he worthy of your praise? And I couldn't help, I mean, it was good for me to, to answer that question. Why is my God so worthy of my praise? And, you know, I, I know we can come up with so many things, but what are you most, most grateful for? And, of course, it's, it's the fact that he saved you. He took you out of your lostness. You, he took you out of your hopelessness. And he gave us hope. He gave us a future. We look forward to eternal life instead of eternal death because there's only two futures that we're going to be a part of, one of two. And so the fact when you know about the cross and you know about humility and you know about looking in the mirror and seeing yourself in need of a Savior... Oh, my word, is he worthy of praise? Because he is just waiting there with open arms to change everything for you and me. What was so doomed is now an exciting looking forward to kind of an experience that we don't have to dread our future. We know our future. So here we go. It goes on and says, how long? How, how much? Every day, every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. 
See what I mean about, wouldn't you just love to see David's face now? I don't know what it is that he just wants to express to God what he thinks of him. And I just think, when was the last time I really did that? I know I love sitting in my little place and I love studying and I love all that, but when, when was the last time that I, I just, just let him know in praise of so many different ways of how, how much I appreciate what he's done for me and how I see my change in condition, not only for my future, but for now, that you can look at things differently. You've got a different perspective on life. Your whole attitude, demeanor. Yes, sometimes when he's got to convict us of, of parts of our heart that still need to be worked on. No, that's not comfortable. It's challenging. It gives us an uneasy feeling. But if we're willing to roll with it and comply, he can free us of that. And there again, then our song comes back. Then he is so worthy of our praise forever and ever every day great is the lord and most worthy of praise his greatness no one can fathom boy david is really got some beautiful words and sometimes if we don't know even though we know we have to we we want to praise him we really do want to praise him but but i don't know what to say how do i say it well all you have to do is say this psalm I mean, even the first three verses, the Lord would just love to hear this from you. And from your heart, you say, great is the Lord. He is most worthy of my praise. And his greatness, no one can fathom. Verse four, one generation will commend your works to another and they will tell of your mighty acts. I hope that that made you stop a minute because even though I asked in the questions, can you see, speak of, and live for God? Can that affect the next generation? I mean, how you see life, how you speak of your, with the words that are coming out of your mouth, how you live for the Lord, how important he is to you, does that affect can that affect the next generation? And I'm sure you had no problem with the resounding yes. Well, then let's take a look at how we are being perceived. What are the words coming out? What, are, what is the attitude like? What's our mood? What's our demeanor? What are our actions like? Really, it can affect the next generation. And the beautiful thing about generations, I, I was thinking how the older generation, being that I'm the older generation now, but I think how we can even be an inspiration to the new by our lives, from our life experiences, from our learning how to praise him, to exalt his name, to live this out, that can be an inspiration to the next generation. But then I look at the, the next generation. You know, I look at my children, I look at my grandchildren, and I, I get kind of refreshed because I think to myself, you know what, they're demonstrating the new things that God is doing. So 
you know, from generation to generation. I like the way David said that. We, we work together. The old can teach the new, but the new then can inspire us back to demonstrate how God is still working. Look how David wrote it. Verse 5, they will speak they. The, ne- the way I took it is the next generation. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. So do you see both generations working together there? And then verse 6, they will tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. When both generations are expressing what God is doing in their lives. And then verse 7, they will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. See, it's an ongoing, this relationship that we, we have lived and live. We should be wanting to inspire the next generation and they then will continue the flow. And that's the way I kind of I, I thought. I thought, we can't let this stop. We've got to continue this flow, this outpouring of, of who God is and his word, and we've got to pass it down. You know, I couldn't help but think of this passage, and again, this is such an upbeat psalm, and I don't want to be a downer, but yet I do want to be a realist. Because after Joshua died, and we all we know that the period of the judges in the Old Testament was a very dark time for Israel. In fact, in Judges chapter 2, in verse 10, it says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. So this generation all died. And it said another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. The very next generation, after Joshua died, didn't even know. Obviously, there was no Christian leadership. There was no godly leadership, I should say, at that time, that was then passing it on. They didn't continue the flow. And it doesn't take long before then a generation, look, it didn't even know the Lord, didn't even know what the Lord had done for Israel. I mean, where in the world was the Red Sea story? Why weren't children being told that? I mean, that is not a fairy tale. Wouldn't you just love to, I mean, don't you tell in your Bible stories these stories that we tell our children, you know? But the thought is telling your child, I saw this. I was a part of this. I might have been little then, but it made a monumental mark on my life. That's how a mighty God we serve. I mean, it says they didn't know the Lord. They didn't even know what he had done for Israel. And there's only one reason for that. And that is because no one told them. But in verses 5, 6, and 7, I just love the way David said that the older generation does this and then the new generation does this and we're all working in one accord and that is to know the Lord better. 
Verse 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Listen to David. He said, look, look at the character. I mean, yes, he's almighty, but he's filled with grace. He, he lavishes us with grace, undeserved favor. He is a God of gracious and compassion. He's slow to anger, and he's rich in love. I mean, we've studied that in the last couple of weeks about the fact that his anger only lasts for a, for a bit, but his love lasts forever. And his faithfulness, brand new every morning, all you have, all you have made and will praise you, O Lord. All that you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. See, David is just really expecting God's children to just be praising. I mean, he's almost saying, what's the matter with you if you're not? I mean, not only did he, like last week, that he made the heavens and the earth, and that he's one that when we are so desperate, we throw up our hands, and we just can't possibly imagine that we're going to get through something, and then we say the words, I will lift my eyes to the hills. I have a God that doesn't take a break or sleep. He is there. He is filled with love and compassion and grace. And David is just expecting where in the world are you with your praise? What is the matter when you are so downcast? When you just walk day to day with no purpose? When you just feel like life is just way too overwhelming? David is saying, look up. There he is. Verse 11, they will tell of the glory of your kingdom. See, David is expecting not only should we, the saints, extol him, exalt him, praise him, but we also should be telling of the glory of your kingdom. And we should be more speaking of who you are in your might. I read somewhere this week that one of the most dangers of the church today, there are many, but one of the most dangerous things of the church today is the fact that, that the people who go to that church don't talk about it. They don't talk about the Lord. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about a specific church because the church is you and I. So that's the danger of the church today, all the church. And David is kind of pricking us a little bit. Are you telling of his kingdom? Are you telling, are you speaking of him? How come he's not a part of the conversation? How come when someone does want to talk about Jesus, we start feeling a little uncomfortable and we think, oh dear, I wish he wasn't so over the top or whatever. How come? when this should be the greatest topic of conversation among the saints. What has God done for you? 
What have you done for him? What have you seen that you know only God could have done that? Let's talk about it. And look at verse 12. The reason we should, so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. How in the world are they going to know unless we're willing to tell them? If we're willing to demonstrate how good this news really is and what it's done for our lives. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It's unending. But unfortunately, we have to be reminded so often because life just seems to crowd that thought out of our mind. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. Look at, as we continue in verse 13, look what the Lord does. Look what he does. The Lord is faithful to all his promises. He's loving toward all that he's made. I mean, what good words. He's faithful, he's loving, and David continues, the Lord upholds all those who fall. He upholds. I know sometimes when you feel like there's just no hope. I mean, you're talking about, like we talked about last week with Psalm 121. I mean, you are just in such a state of desperation. And you feel like you're falling falling, falling, and yet the Lord upholds. He holds those who feel that they've lost their hope. And he lifts up all who are bowed down. Sometimes what brings us to our knees? Sometimes I think our desperation, sometimes our deepest suffering, sometimes that hopelessness, can bring us to our knees where we think we cannot get any lower. And look what David says, and because he's been there. He's been there. He knows. He's been to the lowest point. And he, he watched the Lord lift him up when he was bowed down with that heavy load. When you feel like you're carrying such a heavy load. The Lord is right there, ready to lift you up out of that heaviness, out of that darkness. And that doesn't necessarily mean the situation is going to change, but it will refocus your eyes and remind you of his greatness, his faithfulness, his love, that he's upholding you. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. David is reminding us that the Lord knows what we need and just at the proper time he gives us the, just what we need. Remember when we talked about what we call the Lord's Prayer when you know, part, of, part of that prayer was after we say, Father, you, know, you are holy, you're in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom has come. Yes, we do have Jesus. We pray that your will is done, your perfect will is done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And as you then refocus your eyes onto him, and that's the reason for this prayer, then you can say, because of who you are, I know I can count on you giving me today what I need. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. David experienced that. But he also experienced that he had to go to him. We've talked about this so many times that a relationship works when it's working both ways. God has promised to do what he promised. But we have our responsibility to call on him, to seek him, to desperately cry out to him. But then we can be rest assured he's hearing, he's listening, and he will answer. Yes, no, or it's just not the proper time. Verse 16, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Every living thing. See, all of creation, you're talking about, there's nothing too small. He cares. He opens his hand to satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. That's why you can count on his plan in your life, even when you don't like it. You can count on that his plan is perfect because he is righteous. He is right. There is no one more right than he is. And David has learned that, too, the hard way. And loving so not only is he right in all of his ways, he's loving toward all that he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him. So he's righteous, he's loving, he's near, but see, to all who call on him. And they call on him in truth. You call on him not bossing and, and telling him what you think he should do. But you call on him saying, let me sense your nearness. I want your will in my life. I believe your will is perfect. There's a quote from Martin Luther. This is wonderful. He prayed one day, and somebody wrote this down. He was praying. He prayed this to God. Let my will be done. And when I first read that, I mean, you first say, no, 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 Martin, you're not supposed to say, you're supposed to say, let your will be done. But listen to what else he said. He said this, and he prayed this because he also said, let my will be done because my will is for your will to be done in my life and nothing else. Isn't that the greatest? I'm going to read that again. Because this, this would be so wonderful if we could just believe this with all of our heart and claim it and do it. And in our prayers, we say to the Lord, let my will be done. Because I know that my will is your will. 
And I want nothing else. Because you are right, you are loving, you are near. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. Why? Because their heart is pouring out their trust in him that whatever his will is, is their will. They want nothing else. The Lord watches over all who love him. Such an endearing, the Lord watches over. There is not a second. We talked about that with Psalm 121 too. There's not a second that he is now watching over us. He watches over all who love him. That kind of intimacy, that kind of nearness, that's reserved for those who love him back, who are, who are working a relationship with him. There's so many beautiful perks to our surrender to this almighty God. I mean, look what all of his characteristics, look what David said, the details of God's character and his extreme attention and concern on our lives. But he expects us to learn. We've got to learn how to trust him, how to go to him. Look at the end of verse 20. But all the wicked he will destroy. See, this isn't hard to understand. He watches over those who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. That's just straight across the board. This is his terms. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. I love this. It's like he's ending this psalm with, I really don't care what anybody else says or thinks. From my life and my experiences, Lord, you deserve to be exalted. You deserve to be praised. And out of my mouth, I will speak. Praise to you, Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Did you just love the way David just said, I, out of this mouth, you're going to hear praise, Lord. But every creature, every creature should be praising your name forever and ever. Do you know that this is the last verse, the last word that we really hear from David? I mean, it's like his last will and testament. I mean, this is what he wanted, despite all what he did in his life. And it was a full life, ups and downs. But it was like his last will and testament. He wanted to hear. He wanted to hear his praise. He wanted this song, as a psalm is, it's like a song. He wanted so that we could also hear his praise. And then it's like he's inviting us to come with him in this praise. In Jewish practices, this psalm was recited twice in the morning and once in the evening. 
So they would read it twice to start their day, and they'd read it again once at the end of their day. Don't you think that if you and I read this psalm twice before we started our day, so we got ourselves centered in, and then as our day progressed, not knowing exactly what a day is going to bring, but yet at the end of the day, we can quote this psalm again and say, we praise you. I praise you. Out of my mouth is going to speak praise to you, O oh Lord. And through my life, may others want to come along because you deserve it from all of us, from every creature, forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this psalm. May we feel uplifted because of the truth. You do deserve our praise. And today, may our praise maybe be a song May it be a confession. May it be in giving. May, may, it, may it just plain be telling somebody, talking to somebody, just expressing our heart because we love you. Father, this is such a great, this is such great instruction. But Father, we want it to come easy because we know you, we love Jesus, and we appreciate the Holy Spirit keeping us on the right track. For all of this, we give you glory. In our Savior's name, amen.